0: Hey, Welcome to Geek Freaks. I am Frank, and today I'm joined by the writers for Pocus Hocus. We've got Alan Dunford. Hello. And we got there we, go, we got Will Radford. How are you guys doing?
1: Hey, we are great, and we are so happy to be here for the second time. Which I don't yep. understand why you would invite us back,
0: because <laughs> <laughs> we're eventually going to be talking about prestige. Of oh, <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. I forgot. <laughs> for those of you guys who are following closely, you knew that this was going to be coming eventually. And uh, we had to get in on this, Um, but we got to talk about, you have the third, already on the third book for Pocus Hocus coming up. And, you know, the first one and the second one are both out there. Before we get started, how could people get their hands on the first two issues?
1: Uh, Yeah. So I guess the quickest way to do that is whenever the Kickstarter goes live, we're actually going to have a catch up tier to where you can get issues one, two, and three and the PDFs for all of them at a discounted rate. So that that's something that Will and I always wanted to make sure with every campaign that we do with Focus, we always want to make sure that no one's going to have to jump in blind that really wants to support the project. Okay.
0: Will there be physical copies eventually available?
1: Yeah, 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 they're all going to be together. So yeah, they get the physical It's it's
0: but through the t- okay, yeah. through the Kickstarter mm-hmm.
1: though. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, okay. you get the physical for 1, 2 and 3 as well as the PDF for 1, 2 and 3 all in one bundle. So that way Oh, wow, what a deal. Yeah, okay. it's awesome. <laughs> we think anyway okay, okay.
0: yeah I yeah, yeah. i mean uh oh god we've talked about it. it's so hard because what did we not talk about already yeah. but we have to bring up again the visuals on this this comic book is so eye-catching that before you even read it you're like okay wait a minute black and white magics <laughs> in colors demons are in colors i gotta get in on this <laughs> horus this pink rabbit sticks out like a sore thumb yeah. <laughs> so right away you're like i gotta learn more about this pink rabbit is it a hallucination and then we learn more about him quickly um yeah so Definitely check out those first two books and check out our interview. I'll make sure to throw that in the okay, link, guys, cool. in, the, in the description so you guys can check that out as well. Um, okay, so what are we doing with Pocus going forward? We we could go ahead and talk about those first two books, mm-hmm. right? Because at this oh, point, yeah, you guys should in on this. He's made a deal with the devil, or with a demon. Mm-hmm. He's able to, to control magic. Things are falling apart. The demon's got his own plans now, and he's trying to save his own butt. And so he's kind of got everybody involved. And now we bring in Emily who is by accident and kind of due to her own curiosity that killed the cat is now in this world with him. What is our plans going forward? Will, you guys want to share that? Go ahead. Yeah.
2: So I I like to think that this is the point when all of the stuff really starts to hit the fan mm-hmm. because we've had, you know, these w- these two issues and they are, ex- you know, exposition introducing our characters, the player, the or excuse me, the characters, the players, the game, all that stuff. And so, going forward, uh, I think what you're going to be seeing is a lot of um, forward-moving action, and a lot of um, this is the point when it's like we have the setup, so now all the complications are starting to rain down on the story and characters. Yeah. You, yeah. Issue three is a very important one, I think. Sorry. Yeah.
1: Definitely. No. No. Definitely. Well, this one was the most important issue for us, in a sense of we felt like issues one and two we were taking risks by telling the story linearly without really starting off with what we felt like was going to be a ton of action. You know, we like you said earlier, Frank, we want the collar to be the action, the magic, the splashes, all this stuff. Uh, But it's something that you'll notice in issue two, Pocus doesn't use any magic until the end. Mm -hmm. You know, it's Mm -hmm. it's all building the conflict and we didn't feel like having Pocus randomly just throw in magic or throw in a fight scene with him was really driving our story forward. So we feel like issue three is finally where we get to deliver, you know, because we've been kind of teasing issue one "Oh, something's about to happen. Issue two, we're really getting there because at the very end of issue two on the last page, the last text of dialogue at the very bottom, it just says continued in chapter three, Pocus and Emily go to hell. So you yeah. know what you're about to get yourself into. And we wanted to drive excitement just with the title alone with that chapter.
0: That Journey to Hell, we've seen it in other comic books and other medium. Uh, to me, it brings, you know, Sandman and stuff like that goes to hell. Uh, was there any inspiration for you guys? And how are we going to show our version of hell?
1: Yeah, so what we did, we, Will and I, we, we passed around some ideas. Uh, Will, I think what the first idea you had, you wanted it to make it like a sleazy Vegas. Yeah. type feel.
2: that was that was one idea. And then I think the reason why we decided not to do that um, as like the overall thing was because it was maybe a little too modern and it was Mm -hmm. a little too like on the nose and would maybe would make the comic feel like a completely mm -hmm. different comic book like in a bad way like not the way that you would want it so there were there were a couple different ideas that we tossed around and it did I think it did does get a little tricky here because for a dark for dark comedy fans this is like a playground you know there's all kinds of different directions like you can go with it so we wanted to make the right choices as far as that stuff goes, and I think ultimately the the what we discovered was the right ch- the right choice. Ultimately, is to make sure that we're being collabor you know collaborative with with Brian and letting him you know put his creative input in there as well. Um, so I, I would say it's kind of like an amalgamation of like our ideas and then Brian's vision for it.
1: Yeah. So what Brian has done with hell with the concepts and everything that we have seen. Um, And we're so excited to get this out to everybody, because if you notice our main demon, he looks, you know, he kind of looks tree-like in a way with with Mm -hmm. just how his limbs are and everything. So Brian really wanted to piggyback off of that. And he wanted to make our version of hell look ancient, like it came with Mm -hmm. the earth. So. You're you're going to see a lot of crazy stuff. You're going to see different different topography as we keep moving forward in different regions and stuff. So it's going to be a wild ride, and we are so excited.
0: Just looking back at, at Brian's influence, you know Brian. By the way, guys, for those just catching up, he did the drawings. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the one that basically designed the demon. Oh as well, d-
1: no, basically to it, he did it. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. we told Brian we needed a demon, and this is what we got. And it was so funny because whenever we got the concept for the demon. Um, you know, at the heart of Pocus, it's a, it's a dark comedy built around this dark world. And we wanted to make sure that the lines that we thought were funny, that the demon was delivering, were funny. And, uh, yeah. Will, you can go and take it from here with the design and how we were afraid at first. <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, I mean, it, it just, uh, that that's another example of, of something that was really tricky, kind of like hell in the sense mm-hmm. that like, you know, designing, uh, well, I mean, as far as designing the demon goes, you know, there's always the danger of making him like too comical or too um, serious. So I think that the, that the balance we struck, I think it works because, um, you know, again, Brian is able to pay attention to those details and sort of Fluctuate between like when when the demon needs to be comedic and you've got those facial expressions there and things like that, and when he needs to be more sinister and serious, so I guess what we ultimately ended up doing with that was like we you know a little bit of like the best of both worlds.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and it's funny too. Um, you'll notice this a little bit going forward. So Brian is really trying hard to make sure he gets a lot of our dialogue and points across, uh, so he's been using Disney characters as reference. <laughs> for, for self-expression and everything. And it's just, we, we couldn't ask. for. Brian's better than what we deserve. Will, would you agree?
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, he definitely feels like the third wheel that keeps the cart stable. Oh, you know, a it's, it's a good team. Yep. You guys have a solid team. Uh, I do want to mention a new person to the team in issue two uh, was uh, Arnaldo Solis, who did the Spanish yeah. translations. Now, I know we have a demon that speaks Spanish, which I think is a very cool touch. Is there any hopes for converting the entire comic book to Spanish Um for Spanish? Uh, yeah. Readers?
1: So uh, actually the, the scene where all the demons get ripped apart at the beginning of two, those were actually, uh that was a tier for issue one, where if you donated X amount of dollars, you got to get drawn in. And uh, Arnaldo's demon was the one that spoke Spanish. So that's, that's cool. actually uh, Naldo getting ripped apart. Um, <laughs> we would, we would absolutely love it. Um, you know, and Brian he's bilingual as well. You know, he speaks Tagalog from where he's based out of the Philippines. Oh, cool. Um, so, I mean, if the audience is there, we uh, luckily for us, we have someone that could translate the whole book to Spanish and we have someone that could also translate it as well for Brian. So, yeah, you know what I mean? Um, and we're, we're lucky in that. So if the audience needs it, then yeah, definitely. I don't see a reason why we, wouldn't be able to especially for where we have the resources available
0: yeah that, i think you know just spreading this this really cool comic book to more people i think is really this is such a good book again visually it's so striking that i think no matter what you speak you're going to want more of it yeah so you might as well give them the love no, no. as well <laughs> <laughs> i absolutely love the fact that um the di- the actual lettering is so unique in this book of course we have the colorful letters on black background and then we have uh, I well I can't remember the butler's name if we even have it for him yet. Oh,
1: it's it's Ivan. Ivan.
0: Yeah. Oh, his dialogue, his his <laughs> lettering is iconic. Runs together, capitalization in the wrong spots. It's fantastic. So, um, just such a solid team on this book, guys. And I hope you guys check out this franchise. What other mediums would you want to see this story taken over to? Movies, video games, I, audio drama.
1: This is a Will question now because <laughs> yeah. because you know screenwriting and film that's his territory. So Will, have at mm-hmm. it.
2: Uh, I would say the first two things that I mean, I think it's the most conducive for honestly are like an Adult Swim series, or uh, or, or an anime or an animated f- film. I would love to, I mean, to see an Adult Swim series out of it, just because I mean, you know, that's like, I mean, I've been an Adult Swim fan for as long as I can remember.
1: What was the one um, series? Uh, Mouse. Oh God, what was it? Uh, uh they, made it, they made it on like Microsoft Paint. Oh, 12-ounce mouse. Yes, yeah. there we go. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: No, I love 12-ounce mouse. They brought, Hey, they brought 12-ounce mouse back, actually, uh, like <laughs> a, a year or so ago. And it's glorious. Uh, it's it's just incredible. Uh, but, yeah, I think it would make a cool adult, like, adult swim series. That would be, like, yeah. the most conducive thing, I think, for it. I mean, obviously, there's the idea of a movie. I think it would make a better animated movie than a live-action movie. But something that Alan and I talked about, and believe it or not, this was completely not it. I, I mean, I don't think this was intentional, but like we talked about like the Faustine influence with it. or You know, we we talked about that in mm-hmm. interviews and back, you know, I have a background in theater and that kind of thing. I mean, I could see this working as a play. Um, mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that is due to like is due to so much of like the dialogue driving these comedic right. scenarios yeah i think it would work really I, I think it oddly enough would translate really well for for the stage if you had like the budget resources
1: for it yeah, so definitely i agree with all that
0: yeah you have you only have an entire page where it's just emily and pokus talking and it's all about that dialogue carrying it forward mm-hmm. you could totally see that on stage with some like heavy shadows and <laughs> real bright almost um just comical backgrounds It's it's amazing that you you brought up the idea of like Kind of a casino y hell. Well, I kind of feel like that actually does work well because the neon life that would be behind them yeah. and how much like these two surviving in that world where sin is just what it is. And here you have these two that are surviving. So I can't wait to see what happens with Emily. I feel like she's better than this. <laughs> if she is, she's stuck. <laughs> we, in have,
1: we have very big That's plans cool. for Emily for, yeah, even from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because yeah. w- Will said this yesterday. Um, you know, whenever we first introduced Emily, it was actually an issue one and she was just a background character. Mm -hmm. And we, we already knew then that we wanted her to be, you know, a major player in everything, but we didn't want to introduce her too early because we really felt like we needed to flesh out the central conflict that was happening. Yeah. So we wanted to really try to play it safe, but we were, we didn't want to play it too safe, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. And then the other character we have to talk about, of course, is Horace the rabbit, the bunny, <laughs> I guess the bunny out of the <laughs> Whichever hat. Whichever one you want, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are your plans with Horace? Because I feel like again he's a big mystery box, and I can't wait to see what happens with him. Is there anything you could reveal that's going to be going on with Horace?
1: Um, so we are going to dive into Horace's origins. Um, okay, yeah, we're going to start with there. It's going to be a side story at the end of issue nice. four, starting off just something fun for the reader after the the comic is you know issue four's. Is, Reached its end, and then there's going to be a couple extra pages. Uh, Will, what do you want to say about Horace?
2: Well, I think that, um, and, and I mean, I think that we expected to get questions about Horace mm-hmm. after the second issue came out, and because he's just such a memorable character. I think Horace functions honestly best almost as like a what is that uh the uh like the primitive squirrel from ice age uh, i can never remember
1: <laughs> oh yeah the
2: acorn it's like um, um i don't remember it, but
1: yeah it's like yeah. yeah yeah it's like scratch or something i i cannot yeah, remember, yeah, yeah. but yeah. yeah
2: it's it's kind of like that in the sense that it, he's one of those characters where even if he's not really part of even if he's not like right at the center drive part of, as part of the engine driving the story forward He is like a memorable, iconic sort of character from the franchise. So I don't know. I mean, I, I do want to do, I mean, the biggest thing as far as a future for him is to get his backstory out. um, You know, and, and we're, we're having a lot of fun with that, Mm -hmm. but uh, I mean, I I don't know. I think, I think he is, uh, I mean, he's pretty much our mascot for this series and I think that it's okay for him to, to just exist, as that because he's kind of the general character that everybody um loves you know yeah
1: so- and um you know in the preview pages um we on the on the kickstarter we show that horse actually talks and he's able to yeah. talk i wasn't yeah. sure if you wanted to reveal that yeah, part yeah, totally that yeah. Biggie. it's gonna yeah. be yeah. it's gonna those pages will actually be in the kickstarter uh the preview for it so everyone can see that because we wanted to go ahead and just show it why not you know mm, yeah it's so much fun we want people to see that and be like oh we knew there had to be something else yeah uh because the idea is that horace doesn't like pocus pocus doesn't like horace but horace loves emily and wants what's best for her and yeah. all of yeah. this you know so we really liked that driving force with everything yeah God,
0: i like lo- i can imagine like children's books with him in it and the idea that he's like yeah. animated shorts like he's it's a really good character to kind of just drive the entire franchise and and ip and everything forward uh he's a really great character in that way uh, this is going to be really great i can't wait for everybody to get their hands on it what are the tiers that we can look forward to if people want to get involved
1: yeah definitely so um you know i got the kickstarter pulled up right beside me in case you're going to ask that mm-hmm. question yeah, always <laughs> um the one of the biggest things that we are happy about what this Kickstarter campaign, aside from the catch-up tier, um, there's actually another Bad Bug book running right now called Bearskin. And if you mm-hmm. back Bearskin and Pocus, then you actually get a free ash can of the new book coming out from Bad Bug called Ragnarok. And that is about a rock band from Asgard. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the best elevator pitch for it. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, one of the, the big things that we've seen a lot of success with And, you know, we can't take any credit for this is Kit Wallace's uh, variant covers that he's done for us. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we actually made a tier called the Kit Starter tier where we're letting people uh, get issue one, two and three of all of his variant covers that he's done for us so far. Um, So we're very happy with that. And plus, we're both wearing our Kit Wallace Horace T-shirts right now. Yeah. Which both those are obviously all those are going to be available. (laughs) On the kits, kits. I can't. I'm saying starter the Kickstarter as it's well. Um, <laughs> but you know, uh, I think the other thing too, the the tier with all the all the variant covers, we're really happy with that because we have all these amazing artists working on these, and we we really couldn't ask for a better team, and we're so happy and fortunate that they actually want to work with us. So I don't know their level of sanity really. <laughs> but they <laughs> they decided to to take us on and we're we're real happy about it.
0: Yeah. yeah. They put all their sanity on the page. He's, you could tell, yeah. <laughs> you could tell the team when you just read this.
1: <laughs> yeah, it did. As far as like, you know, we let people kind of plug and play, make their make their own thing, but um the the big things to talk about are obviously the custom magic wands that we have available. Uh we're going right. to would burn your name into it. Uh the custom soul contracts fun for the whole family. So yeah. you can <laughs> uh, you could put anyone's name you want on that and then uh Will and I will do the rest. And then of course we have some custom dice bags uh, because I obviously want them. <laughs> but all right, all right. yeah. And then, you know, we're, we're doing face masks as well. We, we had those on issue one campaign. We're bringing them back uh, patches. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing that uh, I'm going to hand this off to Will, because I think originally, you know, it was both of our idea, but Will was the one that really was like, this is a fantastic idea. We have to move forward with it. And that is the black and white version of Pocus Hocus three. So, Will, do you want to talk about that then? Yeah,
2: well, I mean, the idea behind that is um, just letting Brian uh, Bilondo's artwork speak for itself and kind of stand on its own um, to uh, to really strip it down to like the essentials and uh, show how, you know, his illustrations and composition move the story forward um, as much or maybe even more so than what we are writing for it in terms of dialogue and story and that kind of, or, you know, and action and that kind of thing. So um that, that, you know, the, this uh, silent movie is something that keeps getting brought up whenever we talk about uh Brian and, and that, I mean, that is the highest compliment. I mean, I, you know, as you can see behind me, you know, I mean, I'm a yeah. big, big fa- you know, fan of a uh, silent film and uh, I've always admired the way that, that, that it, it, it sort of strips everything down to like the, bare essentials in in terms of imagery and images, and he does that really well. I think with uh, with the comic comic book medium. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the idea behind that. That's why we wanted to um, do that. Is that's kind of our tribute to. Uh,
1: it's to the least we could do. Brian. I mean, yeah. honestly, you know, mm-hmm. I'm like, guys, this is this is Brian's work, and you know, we we realize as comic book creators, and especially working in this medium, I mean, you know, for those who either listened or didn't listen to the first time we were on here this is our first time making a comic book and Mm -hmm. we've never touched anything like this before and to have this team behind us we were you know toy story right you saved our lives we're eternally grateful yeah (laughs) um and then i guess the last thing that i want to mention and it's going to be something fun and cool the main cover that brian has done um it's actually going to be an ar so whenever you get your physical copy or actually look at the uh, PDF of it, as long as you have two yeah. screens, you know, um, you can hold up an app on your phone and then it shows it. And then we have something really cool. That's going to display whenever you look at it.
0: That's what I forgot to do today.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. Something. Yeah. Well, it's setting in your email. So when you're ready, yeah,
0: I would go for it. I downloaded the app. I just have to actually do it now. <laughs>
1: I yep. to do it. Yeah. It's super, it's super fun and cool. Um, yeah. And then I think the other thing, you know, before we go ahead and finally close off this part Uh, the trailer that we were able to have for Pocus where we kind of give like an animated short. We were so happy with that. So we hope everyone checks that out. too.
0: We'll have a link to not only the Kickstarter, but we'll make sure the trailer there is there as well in the description. So you guys can just click on it and go. Um, Do you guys ever intend on releasing some of the rough drafts for this uh, comic book, especially like in the demon and stuff like that? Uh,
1: What do you mean? Like uh, like Like a concept script? Oh yeah. So, um, we actually were talking about that whenever we release our first trade. Okay. So we were kind of maybe like that would be like another incentive for people to want to back it. So we have concept art thrown in the back and everything like that too. Yeah. When you're mentioning- yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, and I mean we can make that. Where I mean I have a uh, a, a wonderful eleven by seventeen photo of the uh, of our of our demon mm-hmm. framed that's that's hanging in my in my uh, in my office. That is the concept art you know the original design for that um so my point in saying all that was that i mean if it's if it's good enough to be framed on its own i, I feel like we could definitely do that with the series there would be a lot of cool concept art to, to
1: absolutely yeah
0: just as you were saying like making sure that brian really you know gets the attention he deserves i thought that would be like hey that's a really cool way to yeah. kind of share it as well um mm-hmm. can't suggest this comic book enough guys i you know we interview a lot of comic book writers and there's a few of them that i'm like okay not cream of the top. They're all amazing, but there's some of them that I'm like, I'm invested and this is one of them. So please, please, please do yourself a favor, follow this Kickstarter, get in there and, um, just get something, get something, (laughs) even if it's the PDFs, whatever you can do, make sure you get, I'm going through them right now on the side, on the second monitor, looking at it again. Um, (laughs) that is totally worth the grab.
1: Well, thank you, Frank. We appreciate it, man. Of course. Yes. Thank you. Thank you.
0: All right, guys, we are going to be moving on to The Prestige.
1: The real reason why everyone's here. <laughs> All right.
0: Um, why don't we start with this? Will, I think you're, the, you're kind of the expert of the three of us on this. Can you give us a quick rundown of that story? If you could try to do this story quickly. Let's see how that would sound.
2: Right, yeah, uh, no kidding. So The Prestige, uh, okay, in a nutshell, it's about two rival magicians. And I'm afraid to say too much about why they are rival magicians um, because even though the, all of that is established at the beginning of the movie, it's still part of the, the journey, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's about uh, two rival magicians in, in Victorian era, um, in Victorian era, era England, I believe that would be <laughs> England.
0: So. Yeah, and- London, yep.
2: London. Right. Right. Yeah. So um, basically the way they are one upping each other is through obviously through magic tricks. And one of them uh, develops a, uh, a magic trick that is, uh, we'll say like the least showman of the two uh, develops a magic trick that just blows everybody away. Yeah. And that kind of lights a fire under the other one played by Hugh Jackman. And, to, and that,
1: yeah, that, to that, really figure that out. Really and that's really it. Yeah. That drives everything
2: yeah yeah so that's the general story for it it was directed by chris nolan who you know we all know from the dark knight and the batman movies um and i think it's one of his better movies and one of his most underrated so
1: why do you think this movie is so underrated i think you know we talked about this ahead of time i I think because it came out after batman because batman came out 2005 this came out 2006 and then we had of course the infamous uh the sequel after that the dark knight, dark knight yeah. came out yeah 2008 you know and mm-hmm. i think that this one just maybe got lost in between there
2: lost in the shuffle yeah, yeah. it was right as I, I guess christopher nolan was really starting to establish himself as a bigger name director going from like memento is what really launched everything right, course, but, then, yeah. but yeah that batman of course is a huge deal and he what he almost did was in between the two batman movies it's like he came in and he made this little. Um, it's not a little movie, but I mean, it's a, it's a passion project. I right. think the subject that's very, that that isn't hugely interesting to a lot of people, although interesting enough in the sense that I think everybody is, is interested in magicians in some way, shape or form. So, I mean, I think, yeah, I agree with Al. I definitely agree with what Alan's saying that it, that it flew, that it got lost uh, in the shuffle between the two Batman movies. But uh, I also feel like it was just more of a, um, you know like you owe me this from <laughs> christopher nolan to right. the studio i kind of had that vibe yeah, too it, yep. yeah it's like okay we're gonna my, my brother and i are gonna you know because i think that his brother wrote the script with him so i mean
1: yeah this is uh, this is based yeah. off of a book called the prestige well, that was actually that written by yeah <laughs> that, was, that book yeah, yeah that was written by christopher priest i think it came out in 95 Okay. Um, but the book kind of follows the same premise. I haven't read all of it. I'm actually in the process of reading it because, you know, I was trying to do my homework for this and I was yeah. like, oh, okay. There, I didn't know yeah. there was a novel with it. And, um, yeah, it's, it's structurally a little bit different, but fundamentally the same where this, this movie, you know, and I'm sure we'll, we'll get into it. Uh, actually, I guess we're going to start talking about the beginning of the movie.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted. Uh, yeah. Kind of like yep. going into the production part first, and then we'll go into. Okay. Because there's so right. much to it, and, and you're you're bringing yeah, the so structure. Much. The the yeah. book has a, a does it have like a more of a mainline stru- structure or is it it's, all over the place like It's this?
1: honestly, it's it's honestly about the same as the movie. Um, it's yeah. told through letters, but the people yeah. reading the letters are different. Yeah.
2: Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I know none of this about the novel. Um. I got I, you. I, <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I, I think that the but I think the structure is an interesting aspect of the of the film, too, because, I mean, this is a this is a typical. You know, Christopher Nolan sort of device, almost of what I want to say, like playing with linear time, that was a big thing in Memento. And yeah. it's tempting, I think, for people watching it, a <laughs> big thing in Memento. It was Memento. Yeah, you I, I, yeah,
0: I don't want to cut you off. But yeah. Mean, yeah,
2: yeah. But I mean, I, I think people like people watching it might be tempted to kind of scoff at that and say, oh, this is just a a gimmick. He's he's, you know, kind of just ha- half assing, so to speak, to kind of um, to make his movie, you know, but I yeah. don't think that because I think that the the I think what he's doing is he's warming you up early in the movie, almost like training your brain to, to, to focus on this, you know, yeah. so that you can kind of follow you know, the developments as they go along. And and it really, it's a device to suck you into the story more and, and immerse you more in that world. Yeah, so,
0: definitely. Yeah. Yeah, we have multiple narrators basically telling each other through notes, notebooks, and and that reveal that we get later on in the movie too, that it's like, this is to you. And then the, <laughs> the other reveal mm-hmm. that comes like yeah. 20 minutes
1: later, like this one's to you. And it's like, oh my God, <laughs> every time. Yeah, he yeah. Pops. No, yeah so it was, it was so cool because rewatching this, you know, I haven't watched the movie in years. And then rewatching it for this, it was one of those things where just completely blown away.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: You know, I forgot just the structure of it, and then how fantastic everything was with it. Um, and it really does wrap you in, and especially when you notice little little subtleties, like yeah. you see Hugh Jackman's character walking with a cane
0: mm.
1: at one point, and you know you're like, why is he walking with a cane? And of course, it's revealed, you know, half an hour later.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. It's um. <laughs> yeah i mean as far as the reason i mean other than the ending which um is not the big reason why i love the movie so much i just have a big defense of it because i think it gets a bad rap but like my the big reason why i like i love the movie so much is because its sense of atmosphere it is so atmospheric and it's yeah. so like just effortlessly like creepy and and for like just foreboding and um, I, I really have this this movie has a special place in my heart because I saw it when I was a teenager and all my friends were, were going to see Saw, too. And um, <laughs> Alan is laughing because, if you know <laughs> yeah. me personally, I have a pro found
0: psychotic hatred <laughs> <it>. <laughs> we're reviewing that one on the next interview
1: <laughs> yeah we'll do it on the yeah, focus three we're doing uh we're, we're doing uh, focus four we're doing the song. Review. no we're not
2: because i will not re-watch Saw. <laughs> <laughs> but but they, but they okay so they were when saw saw two they thought that they were sneakily going to drag me to it and i said no i'm yeah. forget you guys i'm going to see the prestige So I went and I saw it by myself and I, so I'm in the movie theater and there's like maybe five or six other people just scattered throughout the theater. And when you hear that, like on paper, you're like, okay, that's like the most depressing thing in the world. But sitting there, it was, it was magical because the whole movie, you feel like you feel like you're watching something you're not supposed to. And like so much. Yeah. and, And there's just this, this very almost like secret nightclub vibe of the whole movie. You know where it's where it's just like I mean, I don't mean like rave nightclub, you know what I mean, but you know, it's like yeah. part of this yeah like you have to like, say
0: a code oh, to get in the door <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <Right>. Yeah, exactly <laughs> like like
2: you know, and that's what the movie feels like, and it's it was just added to the whole experience, being by myself, you know strangers, people I didn't know, just you know we're all having this this really atmospheric you know um eerie experience together. it was just a mm-hmm. great movie going memory that I have.
0: What a terrible movie to watch without your friends and then leave and be like, (laughs) I must talk about this thing so much.
1: Yeah, who am I going to talk about it with now? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, they're all talking about, you know, uh, they're all talking about like torture and, uh, you know, all of these different horror movie cliche devices. And I'm just like, man, you guys, you guys missed it. And you don't even know. Because I mean. The, I mean, The Prestige was really a great film and I was not even expecting it to be when I went and saw it. I was hoping, you know, it's like, well, this Christopher Nolan guy, I like Batman and Memento, I'll go check this out. And I wasn't prepared for how much I was really going to like it um, because atmosphere is everything to me. Yeah. And that movie is like, I mean, it's very, very, like you could cut the atmosphere with a butter knife, you know? Yeah.
0: It has this really cool thing and I, and I like it. Like I feel with um, standup comedians have the same thing where there is this subculture of standup comedians like this. There's a subculture of magicians where you're, when you're in their world, you're getting sucked into it right away. And like when they, they track that one guy who's hiding the fishing, the fishbowl the whole time. And then yeah. they're discussing, like, did you see this trick? It's amazing. It's like, they're geeking out in their own very unique, special way. And so being invited to that world is very cool. And then the way they did the set design on this thing, you feel like you're on the old streets of London. And then in the same movie, you feel like you're in the Colorado spring, I know mountainside yeah. <laughs> with yeah. a bunch of top hats everywhere um
1: yeah so and that's special. the thing about this movie it takes yeah it takes yeah. so many turns and takes you on a journey right yeah. um and, and the beautiful part about it you know and obviously you know i mean i think we kind of agreed on this early it's going to be spoiler territory oh yeah so, if you haven't
0: seen it yet then you need yeah. to go watch it stop yeah. this yeah go watch it and come yeah. Out.
1: yeah it came out 2006 we're trying very hard to tiptoe around it but we're done <laughs> yeah <laughs> we're just throwing everything out there the, the movie throws the ending at you from the beginning. Like, right. you know, and like all great magic tricks, it's actually in your face the whole time. We just don't want to see it. And e- even the in the notes, when <laughs> <Every> yeah, <time. laughs> the prestige, the, the notes, like whenever Hugh Jackman's reading uh, Christian Bale's notes and it says, we were young magicians aspiring. We didn't want to hurt anybody. He was talking about him and his brother. Yeah. He wasn't talking about him and Hugh Jackman. Yeah. And that's just like one of those... Like, yeah. w- whenever the ending's finally revealed, you're like, oh my gosh. Like, there's so much to that. And, you know, I, without going any further, Frank, I'll go ahead and let you take over from here then.
0: Well, I, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. First off, when you watch this movie, I remember the first time I saw it was renting it on a DVD. shows how old this, this was for me. I remember watching it, and it's one of the very few times where I immediately watched it again. And oh, yeah. you just I mean, because it was like, I have to see this again, um, Book of Eli was that way. Um, and so was uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Not quite the same <laughs> mystique, but hey, I had to see it again. Wait, same, yeah. <laughs> um, the opening shot is of those those top hats in the forest, which is such a weird establishing shot for this movie that you're going into until you see it again. And then you're just like, oh my God, they're telling you immediately what's going to happen. And yeah, this first phase, kind of into the first act a little bit, we're building up this rivalry that feels so grounded. Two magicians trying to just make a buck in a very tough world. They're, they're act, they are they're feel like real humans. And it escalates quickly. But that first act up to the point where, well, let's go up to the point where Hugh Jackman's wife dies. At that point, who are you kind of siding with this conflict? Do you feel like you need to side with anybody?
1: See, and I think that's the beauty of the movie, right? Um, because... You kind of get established early on. Both of them have their own personal gains yeah. and goals for where they want to get to, and you don't really root for either one of them. Yeah, like, right. you want yeah. The- yeah, it's weird because it kind of turns it on his head. Because originally, you know, I remember going into this, you're like, "Oh, I guess they might work together to make the best magic trick." Because, yeah. like, like you guys, I went in not knowing what this movie was going to even be about, and I was just completely blown away.
2: Yeah. You know? Yep. I think this is an entire movie about turning things on its head, on, yep. on their head mm-hmm. and uh, reverting ex- or, you know, defying expectations and all of that. The, I think the point at that point in the movie is that it was an accident. We empathize, we understand as the audience and we need to be able to see that, you know, from their point of view as well and how it's going to motivate this rivalry and that kind of yep. thing. So we understand it on both levels, which is really, I mean, I think, which is really great writing. Yeah. The whole reason why the ending is so good for me and it works so well, and I think it's been misunderstood by so many people, is that when it comes to defying expectations and turning things on their head, the prestige, the prestige is, is a disappointment. Yeah, like that's the whole, that's the whole point of the movie. Like the prestige. <laughs> they is tell a you disapp- that so
0: many times in the movie too. <laughs> yeah, they tell you what, <laughs>
2: like you want it's the final uh, freaking line in the movie, which is you know you want to be fooled, yeah. and that's that's the point. So if you so the reason why people end up being so disappointed by it is because spoiler alert: the big reveal is that this magician played by Christian Bale has made a clone of himself
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, with Nikola Tesla oh. so that it looks Hugh Jackman like, made a clone of himself or yeah, I'm sorry. I'm yep. sorry. Uh, Hugh Jackman made it, made a clone of himself with, uh, you know, Nikola Tesla,
1: <laughs> which and, is the craziest uh, sentence well, ever said. <laughs>
0: well, yeah, I know.
1: Yeah, it is.
2: Well, no, wait, wait a second though. Cause it was Christian Bale. Christian Bale does it first.
1: No Christian Bale brought Christian Bale was the twin. Yeah. Christian he never, yeah, he was a twin all along. He just never oh, revealed it. Oh
0: man. Could that have been a clone, though?
1: Yeah. No, because he says,
0: he tells, see, it, we, can't, we can't go over this movie linearly. That's just not how this is going to work. Okay, let's just know, geek yeah, yeah. out. I think that's our okay. best bet on oh, yeah, this okay. review. There we okay.
1: go.
0: So, yeah, because in the notebooks to, <laughs> from Bale, uh, he's saying, yeah, he's telling Jackman that I never went to the to United States. So that, that can't be a clone. That has to be his brother.
2: Okay, okay. Yeah. So I am I I completely missed that that detail mm-hmm. of the movie. And this has been going on for years. Yeah. Uh wow, okay, you learn something new every day, but <laughs> still still reinforces what I or you know what I'm what what I was saying about the ending in the sense that you know, the people, the audience that's disappointed, they want to see some kind of practical explanation. Yeah. And the, the 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 idea that there's a clone here that's allowing them to do the trick and eventually if I remember correctly, now i'm not sure <laughs> the the machine that Q jackman gets a hold of a machine that can yes. do it repeatedly yeah. yes. yes okay yeah so the the i like so the the idea there is that that's too much of a i mean for audiences who oppose the ending is that that's too much of a sci fi you know twist but it's not really about like the, mm-hmm. the the it's the hitchcockian twist or the uh you know the the sci fi elements of the movie it really is uh it establishes itself as a movie about loss yeah and uh you know a, a grief
0: and cost man. and
2: that, <laughs> right yeah. Yeah, yeah like right out of the gate end of the first act however you want to describe that and um you know becomes also becomes a movie showing how rivalry and revenge folds in on itself yeah you know which all the great revenge movies with the exception of maybe kill bill <laughs> you know yeah. that well, <laughs> you yeah <do. laughs> Yeah, so I mean it it's if you look at it from that angle the, the I think that it and you open your mind to that the ending is a lot more satisfying. Mm-hmm. It's just you kind of have to look at it from a perspective of like what is thematically like what is this movie really trying to do? What is it really trying to get at? And if what I'm saying sounds like too depressing like oh loss grief blah blah oh, no. it's like well I mean <laughs> the first 5 minutes the movie is like so dark, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> out of the gate, you know. So I mean, yeah. it's like it's not, it's not a happy film to begin with, you know. And I think that yeah. that was always my my angle and my whole spiel with the prestige was, and why I liked the ending so much. I felt like it was very misunderstood.
0: Yep. Let me let me break down the story a little bit for those who are because we're, we're not going to be able to go linear over this. So let's go over at least the main thing here. um right. Christian Bale's character comes up with a trick that's. It's so simple. I love how it's so simple, but it's like too smart for the audience until it builds steam. Um, where he goes into a box and comes out of a box on the other side of the stage. He bounces the ball and he picks it up. So it's simple like teleportation. And it drives uh, Hugh Jackman just up the wall trying to figure out how this is going. Michael Caine calls it right off the bat, which Michael Caine's yeah, character he's a, he's is using amazing. a double. Yeah. 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 Out so, the gate, a double. <laughs> the entire movie is trying to figure out, as an audience member, how is he doing this trick? and. You know, Christian Bale's life is getting slightly better and better, but there's this there's this new kind of divide in his life, and we'll go over that because it's one of it's actually probably my favorite part of the movie. And mm-hmm. then eventually, again, it's like a weird novel tagline. <laughs> Hugh Jackman goes to the United States so that Tesla can invent a magic machine for him. And it's this other thing where it's like science is the real magic. And <laughs> and and then he does. He ends up inventing this thing that can teleport him. The trick is, and it's that classic Star Trek question, is it teleports him by copying him. And then the real or the original version of him must go away. And so the just heartbreaking ending story to this thing is that he keeps being dropped into a water tank and locked in the water tank every time yeah. drowned to death, which is how his wife died. <laughs> That's- yeah, it's real
1: poetic, <laughs> right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and I, okay, so speaking of the poetry of that moment, Early on, when he starts doing kind of the same thing where he has a guy that looks like him and, and, and it's this drunk and stuff like that, Hugh Jackman is not yeah. satisfied because he's like, I need to be there for the clap. I need to be there for the prestige. And Michael yeah. Caine, again, so, the only is... person with the actual sense mm-hmm. in the situation is like, that's not what it's about. It's about the buildup, much like the movie. It's about mm-hmm. the buildup, right. not the prestige yeah so good yeah
1: and, so, and that's the thing too you know hugh jackman's wife you know we, we talked about it she she dies early on which is the real motivator and the real uh you know i, I guess the more we talk about it you, you kind of do root for hugh jackman at first, at first because yeah. christian bell looks like you know he he killed his wife and won't own up to it yeah. because they ask him what knot did you tie yeah. because he tied the knot to he didn't tie a water knot which means that it doesn't come loose in water it actually tightens up so then you know it, i want to interject
0: real quick because i wrote down that piece of dialogue it's one of my favorites hugh jackman yeah. asks him at the funeral mm-hmm. what knot did you tie and then <laughs> bail answers back i keep asking myself that it's one of those things yeah. where it's like it's such a tragic and, and shocking moment that you forgot it's like when you're driving you get an accident it's like i, I just mm-hmm. couldn't even tell you and it's like, man, yeah, the wow. way that's weighing down on both of them—it's amazing.
1: Yeah, right. Because we don't, and also as an audience, we don't know if it was Christian Bell or his brother. Yeah, that's true. Who tied the knot? Yeah, like we, we, I didn't think we about that, so he might know. actually not know that situation. Damn. Yeah, in the, in that situation, he may not have known. Yeah, because this is like,
2: yeah. yeah, this is blowing my mind. This business about because I have gone for years thinking. You know, even up until this conversation, that Christian mm-hmm. Bale met with Nikola Tesla and got a clone made of him.
1: No, I, you know, it's That's why Hugh Jackman was. That, that's the the duality between them because the trick was so simple. Yeah, yeah. That Christian Bale legitimately had a brother, and it's thrown in our face from the beginning. Whenever they uh, go outside and follow the Chinese magician, yep. and he said that's an act.
2: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, right. All of that, but, but in my head, I did not connect to that. Yep. Mm -hmm. As being the linear timeline part of the, like in my head, I did not connect that as being before.
1: Yeah. See, that's why (laughs) Christian Bell. Yeah. That's why Christian Bell could spot because he's like, I'm the same, you know, I, I have a brother or I'm always have an act Mm -hmm. that's going on. So that's why he was able to spot the the Chinese magicians. Real secret is that he's not really a feeble old man.
0: Yeah. The the emotions are all there. I mean, the clone part clone or not, that part is, the emotion that follows afterwards, all there. One of my favorite right. things yeah. about the movie is the fact that the wife again calls it, everybody around them is calling it. The wife mm-hmm. says, You know, he says, I love you. And then she's like, Not today. Some days, yes, yes. but not today. And it's heartbreaking. And the yeah. thing every time, a good movie, much like Shawshank Redemption is for me, every time you rewatch a movie, you catch that piece of dialogue you didn't notice before. Yeah. I, I always knew that mm-hmm. first part of that, but I didn't notice it later on when she started to drink too much and started to fall apart. And he says, yeah. I love you. And then she says, Today, you mean it, which means the days you don't mean it, it makes it even harder. And it's like,
1: oh, that's freaking yeah. This poor
0: woman could yeah, not survive in this relationship yeah. at all. It's so hard.
1: Yeah. 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 And that's the thing, you know, they're, Christian Bale's character is leading a double life by having two of him. And one is in love with his wife and daughter. And then the other one is in love with Scarlett Johansson's character, who became Hugh Jackman's assistant. And Hugh Jackman, you know, is selfishly. So, you know, they, he was already growing to fame. He was doing great. And he said, no, I have to figure out his secret and then pushed her away. Yeah. And she ended up falling in love with Christian Bale's brother. In the yeah. Movie. Well, yeah. Cr- that she didn't know either. Yeah. Even though she, she gave us the clues early too. You know, she said that there's makeup and prosthetics there. That's not a part of his act. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. She says that, you know, whenever she comes back to report. Yeah. And uh, yeah. one of my favorite lines too is
0: um, when she reveals to... Bail. I'm pregnant and the first thing that comes out of his mouth is we should have told Fallon somebody who she just yep. met and it's because Fallon is yep. probably the dad yeah Fallon's the real father well actually father. we know yep. he's the dad because it was the I love you you know yep. same yeah and yep. then um, wow yeah yeah it, wow. And it's just oh man. Okay, so Will, are you okay? I know Will's kinda yeah, going no, through. I, re- yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, but but that's that's an example
2: of
1: of how uh, great this movie is. is.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, what it does and what it's what its point and what Christopher Nolan does is so well as a filmmaker is that yeah, I mean, st- stuff like that that flies under the radar the first second. I mean, God, I don't know how many times I've seen the movie and it's flown under the radar. Mm-hmm. You know, you come back to it and then you notice notice it, and it, it's a different movie. You yeah, know I yeah. mean, and it's like that's another reason why the nonlinear timeline stuff works really well with yep. this, yeah, um yeah i I don't know i'm I'm a huge fan of it i I think that I, I wanted to mention just a couple things just about how I think it ties into pocus hocus because okay. we we are i mean we cite it as an inspiration and and Alan and I have talked about the movie uh many, many times
1: since we and, were in like, high school. Yeah. yeah, i
2: love for the movie yeah. many times. I don't know if we've ever directly discussed it in its relation to to Pocus Hocus, even though we've always just known that it's an, an influence. So um, a big hero of mine is uh, Roger Ebert, the film critic Roger Ebert. I learned a lot about just the, the language of cinema and movies from him uh, when he was alive. And I read uh, his review for this movie. He was another one uh, that was not a fan of the ending. And he writes briefly in his review for the movie when he wrote it, he said, The pledge of Nolan's The Prestige is that the film, having been metaphorically solved in two, will be restored. It fails when it cheats, as, for example, if the whole woman produced on stage were not the same one, so unfortunately cut in two. Other than that fundamental flaw, which leads to some impenetrable revelations towards the end, it's quite a movie. Atmospheric, obsessive, almost satanic. Yeah. And that's always struck that's always stuck with me even before Pocus Hocus ever became that that section of his review for the movie, because that is how the movie feels. And it's not a horror film. Mm-hmm. It's not a creepy... I mean, it's not really a a thriller, not in any conventional sense. It really is a drama about loss and, and grief and disappointment in a lot of ways. But it feels it, very, very scary. I mean, I felt very uneasy watching it the first mm-hmm. time, and I still... I still do feel uneasy when I watch it. It's got this like not playing around kind of atmosphere, yeah. but I mentioned the, just real quick, the satanic thing, you know, which obviously ties in Pocus Hocus, but uh, another thing too, I feel like with that is that the prestige is about, um, you know, the disenchantment of, uh, of fame and sort of taking away the glamor from, from like the magic tricks and, you know, kind of showing what's underneath the surface with this rivalry story. So I think it influences Pocus Hocus in that way. It's about, you know, um, you know, the, the idea of uh, deglamorizing the magic of it. Yeah.
1: And, and that's what I was going to say. Uh, you know, Frank, you mentioned it earlier, uh, especially with the ending of the movie. Like, and there's so many parts to this movie, it's so hard to break it down because we, we missed the biggest part of the movie, which is the beginning, where Christian Bale's character is on trial for the murder of Hugh Jackman's character yeah that's right you know <laughs> yeah. like he, the, that's that outermost that's the layer driving, of narration yeah. is
0: mm-hmm. a, a a message from oh no it's not actually it's it's a dead man journal yeah. being read by a guy in prison for that man's murder and then yeah. of course the line and, of like that's why you're in, in jail for my murder and yeah. i'm still alive
1: you know? yeah 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 and and that's one of those things where like this does have such an evil like the movie itself yeah. has yeah. an evil core yeah it, it feels
2: evil but there's yeah. there's no I mean, science fiction twist aside, mm-hmm. right? With the clones, <laughs> there's yeah. like no, there are no like ghosts or demons or you know anything like that. It's really a masterpiece of atmosphere. Yeah. Like it's it's so yeah. like just thick with dread. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan. It's like a <laughs>
0: It's like a, it's like if somebody told Guillermo del Toro to not use any prosthetics, it feels like that. You know, it's got kind of that yeah. like yeah. setting up a world and then, like sinking you into it. And so, uh, yeah. Okay, so I have a quick question for you guys. I want to make sure we get out there. Which brother ended up with a daughter and free at the end? Because I always thought, like, how truly tragic it would be if it's the one that loves her that's stuck inside, and the one that loves magic is now, outside.
1: It's it's the um, the one who's actually her father is the one outside. That's oh, the one that, okay, <laughs> yeah, because um, they they say it at the end whenever he's being uh, taken away to go to the gallows. Yeah. He keeps saying, I'm sorry. I, I did not mean for, um, I can't remember the wife's name. It slips my mind right now. I didn't mean for her to get hurt because of my actions, stuff like that. Because that was the one that loved Scarlett right. Johansson, was the one that was to be taken away. So that's the only silver lining, right. I <laughs> think, to the ending, really. You know. And so. I think another and hint to that, too, there. is
0: that he has that ball at the end, too, when he's when he's being hung. It's kind of like my
1: blast magic trick. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah cadaver <laughs> is what he says and then they just drop him yeah
2: i never yeah i mean i um i i didn't analyze it as much as alan had and, and just mentioned in that one particular scene and the nuances there that indicate that my gut reaction was that whoever keep in mind operating from the perspective of like this is a, a clone from tesla yeah. and not his twin brother yeah. <laughs> i just got the vibe that the the uh that the not the biological father Mm got the daughter and that this was something he felt obligated to do and also carry out the vengeance against Hugh Jackman at the end of the film uh when he when he shoots him
0: um
2: you know I so like that's the you know I I always just got that that knee-jerk vibe but I mean it sounds like you're you're saying Mm -hmm. that there's a scene that it spells it that not yes. spells it out for you but gives you enough to work with so that you oh can,
1: yeah it's definitely yeah, yeah it's the yeah. it's the biological father. Yeah, that's the that's the big silver lining yeah
2: okay well that's that's cool that, that's there's one
0: <laughs> there we go right yeah. another piece yeah. of like kind of the horror vibe is once you jackman has his new trick again guys he's just killing himself every every night right yeah yeah he the whole another thing to the horror vibe is that it's an entirely blind crew which is that yeah. mystique around his magic so cool, trick that's just right? like, oh my God. Could you imagine yeah. being a person who heard about that? Like if you were actually like there in that movie yeah. and you're just like, well, I must see this trick then because, and there's only yeah. one trick. There's not a lot of tricks. It's the one trick you're there.
1: <laughs> so Isn't and that's that- the thing, can we, uh, can we also mention this before? I'm uh, sorry to cut you off, Will. No, it's um, not. <laughs> Go on, uh, fine. It's uh, <laughs> Hugh Jackman could have cloned himself and kept one clone to do everything with him. So he would have, you know, we'll, we'll call him, yeah. he could have had a twin brother himself. Yeah, But he wants all the accolades just for himself. He doesn't even want to share it, even with a direct copy of himself, right. which is why he chose to kill himself every night.
2: Yeah, and I mean, th- that is a huge character difference Is established early on, is that Hugh Jackman has the showmanship, but it's almost like Christian Bale's character has the... Uh, the i want to say like the the brains or Mm the um the uh like the mental precision to develop these tricks uh so so yeah i mean that's that that reinforces that those character dynamics too is that i mean you know christian bale he like he's He's kind of a mod, not he, he's kind of like a modest, um, he's not enchanting, not magical kind of, you know, no nonsense guy. And then Hugh Jackman is very sort of theatrical and, and narcissistic in, in a lot of ways. Um, so yeah, I, I just reinforces those character traits too.
0: Yeah, I think the I think the important difference between the two of them is both of them are willing to sacrifice everything for the trick, much like again, the magician that they are watching earlier who's mm-hmm. hiding the bowl the whole time. By the way, the birds, I mean, they, they just tell you every yeah. time the birds, there's a yeah. dead bird every time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah.
1: But yeah. And, and that is, and that's an allusion to the ending. There's a dead bird every at time. the end of every show. It gets
0: dropped in the basket. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah. The, I think the key difference too is that one must see the prestige. And so if you think about it, mm-hmm. Hugh Jackman's life kind of always begins with him initially seeing that prestige. Like he has his memories up to the trick point, then it's prestige time. And he goes in, and when he goes about to go into the tank, I think he says at one point something along the lines of like, I don't know which one I'll end up being when I go into that tank.
1: Yeah, yep.
0: you, You're gonna die. I mean, you're always gonna die. It's just that that part's gone, and boom, I'm in prestige again. It's worth it. And and Bale's character is okay with the build-up part of the trick, the actual main part of the trick. And uh, God, this movie is so perfect.
1: <laughs> it's just... <laughs> yeah, it's really, We it's, could... Oh, go ahead.
2: Yeah. I mean, it really is though. I mean, it's, it's, it's great. It's a great character study. Um, and uh, I, yeah, I mean, atmos you know, atmospheric is all get out. And I really do. I mean, I do think that, I think that if people accept it as a, a story about loss and disappointment, that is also entertaining. And, and I mean, I don't find this movie particularly depressing, you know uh, if you, if you look at it, like from those perspective, that perspective and focusing on those themes, you'll enjoy, I think the, the structure of it a lot more and the, the ending, the ending of it a lot more because, because yeah, I mean, it's, it really is a story about what these two men sacrifice (laughs) and uh, you know, it's about loss. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's was, has, has always been my take on it.
0: The second viewing is so important too, because then you realize how many times they're just screaming it at you. What's going on.
1: Yep. It, 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 it from, from the very beginning of the movie, like three, three minutes in, if that you, you actually are seen, seen, shown the ending. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah. I have
0: pages and pages of notes that I just have not even been looking at. So I'm going to go over a couple things real quick. I want this movie, and I, I've told a lot of friends that I want this movie, but Tesla versus Edison the entire time. Where, <laughs> right? Can't you see this like rivalry yeah, right. and them outdoing each yeah. other, killing an elephant over there? Well, let me go do this over here, you know? God, if David Bowie were still alive. Oh, what casting? They- I mean, who had the goal yeah. to cast this movie? <laughs> I, I know. Andy God, Circus is so such perfect. a minor character, and he's Andy Circus.
2: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, and then David Bowie. I don't think I knew David Bowie was in the movie before I saw it yeah. for the first time. That was such a awesome um, surprise and revelation. I mean, he did a great job. Yeah, <laughs> like, he he really did. All. Yeah. yeah.
0: And then again, like, we, we mentioned it before, but this is Batman, Alfred, and Wolverine while those movies are coming out. So you, yeah. I mean, you had the casting yeah. director that's like, you know what? Let's just shoot for the moon and see what we get. And they got everything. Um, they did. Andy Circus. I like how when Andy Circus first meets um, uh, A. G. or so uh, Jackson's character, he's like a fanboy for him. He's like, oh, I saw this thing that you did before. Blah blah blah. He's like such a fan, and yet he's like working for somebody doing actual magic. But yet he's he's amazed yeah. by the illusionist, uh, mm-hmm. which is just kind of yeah. like how we all are, really. <laughs> you know, science is the real right. magic here. I mean, that's the audience.
2: Yeah, that's the audience until they, well, for a lot of them, until they get to the end of the movie. And it's like, that's the point! <laughs> that's the whole point!
0: <laughs> I got so many notes, we'll just skip them all. <laughs> it's, we could talk about this for, for days, I think. Um, please go watch this movie. And then, of course, please go check out Pocus Hocus. All the links will be in the description. Make sure you guys get a part of this.
1: Um, any last comments before we head out, guys? Uh, no. Like always, Frank, we're, we're such big fans of you well, and you. your show. <laughs> And what you do for, I mean, lack of a better term, for the geek community. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, man, thank you for being brave enough or dumb enough. I don't know. Bored, to have us back bored on again. Enough To start
0: a podcast. Bored <laughs> enough,
1: yeah. Well, bored <laughs> enough to even just have us back on. Oh, and, and to talk about the prestige, man. Yeah. Um, but for real, thank you from the bottom of our soulless hearts for <laughs> for everything you know
2: oh yeah. yeah thank you it's it's really uh i mean it's amazing and overwhelming in the best possible way and yeah. uh we really appreciate this kind of uh feedback and support and it really yeah. just reinforces that we're where we need to be yeah you know 100%. So. Yeah,
1: but because yeah because of you and uh, fans like you we really uh we we had a fire in us before to make this comic but it, it's after interviews like this where we know that we're on the right track yeah. so thanks.
0: Definitely are. So, everything's in there, guys. We'll also link off to all of their socials so you guys can follow them and get updates as things come out for Pocus. So, we'll, of course, be retweeting it anyway. So, but you get can get there right before I can retweet it. All right. I uh, thank you guys again for joining me. And we'll see you guys next time for Saw 2. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: please, God. No, I can't. I just,
1: all right. Yeah, we're doing it for Pocus 4. Will. You're right. <laughs> okay. I'll, I will.
2: I will get not enough alcohol in the Western hemisphere. (laughs)